Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Welcome to the broadcast. Today, I have a word from God for you, a word out of his word. And so tonight, today, I want to bring you that message. I might say tonight a lot because I'm not used to streaming at noon. This is like extremely early for me to be streaming, but I felt like God gave me this word and I want to jump on and give it to you guys. Make sure that you guys like and share the broadcast. Let me do a couple things on my end. Make sure that you guys are tagging people. Send this to someone. I believe this is a right now word for the body of Christ. I believe this is a right now word for you. If you've been saying, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to reignite that fire. I need you to rekindle that flame. That's what this is about today. Okay, we might go an hour, might go 20 minutes, might go 30. I don't know. But I know that today is about waking up. Today is about coming out of your comfort zone. Today is about picking up your cross, denying yourself. And it's going to be a radical, urgent message. It's going to be an urgent message for you today because I believe there's a lot of Christians sleeping in these hours. And this is a very important time to be alive. This is not the hour to be sleeping. John said we're in the final hour. And if we're in the final hour 2,000 years ago, we're in the final moments. I'm not going to cover what's going on in Israel again. Maybe I'll update that later. But you guys keep saying you've been talking about that so much. I do believe it's a prophetic sign to the hour that we live in. And this is the time to wake up. This is the time to wake up. If you are sleeping, God is saying awaken. So I believe it's an alarm. God is setting off an alarm for you. Stop hitting the snooze button. Stop dismissing God's calls. Stop ignoring or putting the silence button on the call of God. So whatever I tell you today, I believe this is a word from God, a word of awakening, a word of revival, and a time for you to wake up out of your slumber. Revival has to become a priority. If you can live without revival, you will live without revival. I'm at a place saying, Lord, I don't want to live without revival. I need your Holy Spirit to awaken me today. Come on, is there anyone that's in the chat that's tired of being asleep, that's tired of being stagnant? That's tired of not seeing. And I know I'm speaking to you because you're tired of not seeing miracles. You're tired of not praying, not fasting, not reading your Bible and not being excited about God. Where is the passion for God in the church? Where is the excitement? Why is it that I get on here? I'm shouting and screaming and I'm the weird guy. I'm the weird one. Oh, that guy, the one that's always screaming and shouting. It's like, man, why are you? They say, why are you shouting? And I'm like, why are you so silent? Why is there not a passion in us? And so I want to talk to you today about going back to that passion, going back to that first love. I believe the Lord is saying it is time to pick a side for too long. You've been wavering between two opinions for too long. The church has been wavering. Let's be honest. The church is lukewarm. The church is complacent. We're a babysitter's club. We're wavering between two opinions. We have all these social media influencers and preachers and people that just won't say it the way it is. We are asleep in the light. There's not a boldness about us. There's not a desire for the word of God in our life. Do we crave the word of God? Do we crave the place of prayer? Now, let me be very clear today. And I'm just getting on here randomly at noon. I never go live at noon. Everyone's like, what is happening? Is the world ending? Let me be clear today. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because this is something God is showing me and I'm sharing it with you. I am not exempt. I'm saying, Lord, everything I preach today, Lord, do it in my heart. God, awaken my heart. Awaken my prayer life. God, give me a new hunger for your word. Give me a new desire to fast. God, I want your spirit in my life. I want your anointing. So don't hear it that 
oh, Isaiah, the great preacher is telling us we're not doing what we should be doing. No, 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 friend. I am right on board with you. I am just as guilty as you. I am just as lukewarm as some of you. I am fighting the same battles you're fighting. And I'm saying, Lord, I want you to revive me. I want you to awaken me. So I believe it is a word for you. I believe it's a word of it's time to pick a side. It's time to stop wavering. This is what Elijah told the people on Mount Carmel. They were wavering and they had all these false prophets. And there's so many false prophets in our lives. False things prophesying false words to us. For some of you, Netflix is a false prophet. For some of you, Instagram is your false prophet. For some of you, Hulu is your false prophet. For some of you, YouTube is your false prophet. What is the false prophet that's been prophesying lies to you? God is saying today, I want to prophesy truth to you. I want to prophesy purpose to you. I want to prophesy direction to you. I want to prophesy breakthrough, healing, and deliverance in your life. I'm tired of being bound. I'm tired of letting the de- the devil give me false prophetic words. Tell me that I'll never open a church. Tell me that I'll never start the ministry. Tell me that I'll never find true love. Tell me that I'll never have peace. For those of you dealing with suicide, we're canceling it in Jesus' name. No more suicide. No more anxiety for the church. No more depression. The Bible says, be anxious about nothing, but instead pray about everything. We are breaking anxiety in Jesus' name. We are breaking fear in Jesus' name. This was the word Elijah gave them. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? How long are you going to, and that word halt means to skip over, to jump back and forth. It means to have a divided opinion. We're, We're divided in our allegiance to God. One day we're hot, the next day we're cold. One day we're on fire, the next day we've lost our passion. And Elijah's asking the question, how much longer are you going to be divided in your allegiance to God? How much longer are you going to be jumping back and forth One day serving God, the next day serving the world. One day you're radical, the next day you're not. You're up and down, you're on a roller coaster, and God is saying it's time to stop wavering. The compromise has to end in the body of Christ. The complacency has to end. The greasy grace has to end. Be very careful listening to people that are always preaching greasy grace. You can live however you want. Isn't that what the devil preaches? Doesn't the devil say, Live however you want. Do whatever you want. Isn't that what the new age preaches? You don't have to choose a side. You don't have to have a master or a Lord. But God is saying, stop haltering. That line that separates the kingdom of God from the kingdoms of this world. You say you love God. You love revival. And God is saying, choose me today. Stop cheating on me and choose today who you'll serve. He's telling Israel, you're double-minded. You pledge your allegiance to God and the devil. And God says, When you serve me, there's no other option. It's all me or all nothing. Follow God or follow Satan. Choose heaven or choose hell. Choose the narrow road or choose the broad road. Choose freedom or choose bondage. You don't get a pick. Some of you are on the carpool lane and you're wondering why shout, why scream, why be so passionate? Because some of us are going to hell. Some of us are serving, we think Jesus, like I serve Jesus. It's like, what Jesus do you serve? There's so many Jesus. Paul said, there's another Jesus being preached. So we have so many different Jesuses. People say, I serve Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, but what one? The one of the Bible or the one of the the lukewarm church down the road that you go to? The one of the Bible or the one of the YouTube Jesus? The Instagram Jesus? 
the Baptist Jesus, the Pentecostal Jesus, the charismatic Jesus, the cessationist Jesus, the American Jesus, the African Jesus, the Jesus in China, the Jesus. What Jesus are you serving? That's the question. I want to make sure I'm serving the Jesus of the Bible. So I, I don't care what, well, so-and-so, I don't care what so-and-so said. I want to serve the Jesus of the Bible that told men to leave everything. This notion that you can have Jesus, help me, help me today, Holy Spirit, that you can have Jesus and you can have the world at the same time. If, this is what the Bible says, and I feel the Holy Ghost, if you are a friend of the world, you're an enemy to God. If you make friends with the world, you are an enemy to God. So there's no neutral. Some of you are neutral, revving, like revving your engine. And you're not going nowhere. You're making noise, but you're not going anywhere. And God is saying, get out of neutral. There's no neutrality. It's like, oh, I don't really know. There's no neutral. I know there's a big argument right now on Halloween. It's like, what do you mean? Are we really argue? Oh, help me, Lord. This is a word from God for you. So I'm just going for it. Are we really arguing whether we should be celebrating a, a holiday that promotes gore, violence, and death? Are we really arguing that? Like, do I have to... I, do I have to make a video after video every year about we shouldn't celebrate death, we shouldn't celebrate gore, we shouldn't be watching horror movies, we shouldn't be serving the devil? Like, what are we even arguing? You can't serve two masters. Why? Here's why you can't serve two masters. You will love one and you'll hate the other. And a lot of you love darkness, love the Jesus of the American church, but hate the God of the Bible. Hate the God that requires everything. Hate the God that says, you have to serve me with your entire life. And there's not enough people. I'm not saying I'm the only guy. There's not enough people being bold. I listen to preachers. I'm like, stop beating around the bush. Just tell us the truth. Tell us that God requires everything. Tell us that God wants us to be radical. And so I know I'm the crazy one. I know, I'm, oh, is there that crazy guy? Your veins pop out of his neck and always screaming repentance and give everything that he preaches works based. You say that because you're lukewarm. You say that because you have no passion. It's works based to you because you have no works. So anyone that tells you to do something, you're like a lazy child. It's like, don't tell me to clean my room. Oh, you're mean. No, it's not mean. Jesus said, if you serve me, you become a slave to me. So I'm just saying, Lord, awaken my heart. I'm tired of the gray areas. Come on, chat. We're live. I'm reading the chat, by the way. Like, what are your eyes looking at? I'm looking at the chat. No gray areas. No more part-time Christians. No more halfway Christians. No more weekend visits. It's time to give him full custody. You've, let's just be honest. You've let the devil have the remote to, uh, to your life for how long? How many years did I let the devil have the remote control of my life? And he would just take that remote and just, here, this is the, my fan remote, by the way. Go do this. Go do this. Go say this. Go here. Go there. And has the remote to your life. And now you get, you are like, okay, I'm going to take the remote back, but I'll give it to the devil once in a while. Do not give the devil the controller or the, or the remote or control over your life. God has anointed you for such a time as this. God has called you for such a time as this. No room for darkness. No place to the enemy. Zero, zero compromise. I want to be sold out, not a sellout. It's time to be sold out for God. This is what God is saying to you right now. Be sold out. Deny yourself. Give up everything. Pick up your cross. Be cru You know the Bible's called you to be crucified. You look at Jesus on the cross. Oh man, 
And Jesus says, join me. The cross was an invitation. Die with me on this cross. Go with me into the tomb and be resurrected into new life. The, the, the Christianity doesn't start until you die. Christianity doesn't start until you say, I'm dead to self. It's not about me any longer. It's not about my desires, my wills. Today, God, I say yes to you. I say yes to serving you. I say yes to worshiping you. I say yes to 2 Corinthians 5, being your ambassador on the earth. I say, I give everything to you. I'm, gonna, I'm going into prayer. I'm going into fasting. I'm going into holiness. I'm being sold out. All my friends and family are going to say, what happened to you? What happened to you? You're so passionate. You were Luke. You never talked about God. And now it's like, I don't even recognize you because something happened in your life. The Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Ghost came in your life. And God says, I've anointed you for such a time as this. We know in Luke 4, Jesus is anointed with the Holy Spirit for a reason. God does not anoint you to watch Netflix all day. God does not anoint you to play church or to sit around doing nothing. God anoints you for a purpose. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. What has he anointed you for, Jesus? Look at to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. The blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. So what? Preach the poor, proclaim captives are free. The blind will see and the oppressed will be completely set free. There's a purpose. The anointing has power. God has anointed you for such a time as this to walk in his power. There's a reason for his spirit. There's a reason for his anointing. So God wants to anoint you, but it's for a reason. Lord, I pray today, anoint me, God. Anoint me, God. Anoint my kids. Anoint my wife. Anoint my husband. Anoint my church. God, anoint us and supernaturally. What is the anointing? It's the supernatural empowerment of God. It's when God supernaturally empowers you by his Holy Spirit to do what only you can do with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, without the anointing, I can't do these things. There's no casting out demons. There's no healing the sick. There's no preaching of the gospel of power, signs, and wonders. I can't get on here and preach to you guys without the anointing. This is what keeps me in the fear of the Lord. God, don't take your anointing from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take this passion from me, God. I want to remember. Here's another thing. Not only that you need to get anointed, you need to remember the words that God has spoken over you. The devil wants you to forget the words God has spoken over you. What is a prophetic word? Have you forgotten the word God gave you for your kids? Have you forgotten the word God gave you for your ministry? Have you forgotten the word that God spoke over you that you would be healed and delivered? You will be healed and delivered. Your kids will be saved. Have you forgot the word that revival is coming to your church? We get these words and we forget about them. I don't really know, you know, because our circumstances say the opposite. The prophetic word says one thing and the circumstances say another thing. So we forget the words, but God is saying to you today, it's time to remember the words that I've spoken over your life. I've given you words. I've given you prophetic assignments. People think, well, everything going on with the war and everything going on in America and everything going on with this and the mass shootings and this must somehow God must have forgot about his word God is going to perform his word God's word has not changed he's faithful I want you to remember every word that God has spoken he told Isaiah put me in remembrance of the words I've spoken remind me of the word God I remind you Johnny says this is good I needed this this is a word for you Johnny Johnny remind God of the words he spoke over you as a child 
God called me as a child to preach. God called me to do this. God told me when I first got saved, he told me 400,000 people are going to be raised up. Young people. Have I forgotten that word? Have I, do I not remember? God says, put that word into remembrance. Not so he knows the word, but so you know the word. God's performing it. Paul told Timothy, based on the prophetic word spoken over you, about you, may they help you fight in the Lord's battle. The word spoken over you will help you fight the battle, Paul says. When you're battling, remember, I got a word. I got a word. I'm not going to die. I'm sick in body. They say it might be cancer. Oh, no, I'm not going to die. I'm not even stressed. How are you not stressed that you might have terminal cancer? Because I have a word. How could I be stressed? I have a word from God. My, this isn't where my story ends. My story doesn't end with cancer. My story doesn't end with diabetes. My story doesn't end with depression. My story doesn't end with suicide. When that voice tells you to take your life, remember the word. No, no, no. My story doesn't end with suicide. God's given me a word. I'm going through bankruptcy. This is not how my story ends. God told me I was going to be blessed and God was going to use me and God had a purpose for me. And there was a reason for my family. When you see your kids strung out on drugs, no, no, I'm not stressed about it. I'm praying every day vigilantly, but God has given our family a word. This is not how my story ends. This might be the chapter I'm on, but this is not the end of my story. Why aren't you stressed? Because I have a word. Be anxious about nothing, but instead pray about everything. Why? Because I have a word. I don't walk by sight. See, you're walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. I believe the word that God has spoke over my life and over my family. A word of prosper. I'm going to reach people. So no, I, I'm not going to die. I can't, I can't die in a car accident. I can't die in a plane crash. When there's bad turbulence, like, are you afraid? Why would I be afraid? I have a word. See, when I go through battles, when I'm anxious, when I'm discouraged, when I'm tired, when I have moments where I say, Lord, what's next? I feel like sometimes I'm in a wilderness, right? Like, what am I? I'm just feel like I'm scratching by sometimes. I remember the word. Isaiah Saldivar's story doesn't end here. I don't die in a wilderness. I don't die to Jezebel. I'm not going to be like Samson that dies between two pillars with no eyes, losing my vision. I don't, I don't die an alcoholic. I don't go back to drinking and partying and drugs. I have a word. I'm going to be a, a grandfather, 85, 90 years old, still preaching the word of God, still declaring his wonders and works. That's the word God's spoken over my life. I'm going to reach nations. That's the word. What has God spoken over your life? What word is the devil can't stop my word. Come on, chat. Depression can't stop my word. Fear can't stop. I know what the doctors say, but the doctors didn't give you the word that you were going to walk in healing and breakthrough. Anger can't stop my word. Life's circumstances. This is a word for you today. Can't stop my word. Addiction can't stop my word. Generational curses can't stop my word. A demon? What demon can stop the word of God? What demon has power to stop God from doing what he said he'd do in my life? So when you get a prophetic word, when you get a word, hang on to it. Hang on to the word I'm giving you today. I'm giving you a word from his word. I'm going to fight because I have a word that has to come to pass. The situation I'm going through will not determine my, the situation I'm going through will not determine the word that God has given me. And God gave words all throughout scripture. The message I'm going to give you today and I'm giving you is a word from God to Christians. That's what I'm opening to. It's a word from, I thought it was going to be 30 minutes. We're going to go probably longer. A word from God to Christians. So when you see this letter, when you see this word I'm about to show you that God gave a literal church, know it's like, know that it's not just a word God gave a church. 
It's a word God gave me because all scripture is good for rebuke, reproof, correction. God's given me this word. And it's, it is a strong word, but there is some good in it. But it is a strong word that God is right, that God is giving this church. And I want to show you this word. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to put it on screen briefly here. And then I'm going to, I'm going to break this word down for you that I believe God is giving us today. And God is speaking to the body of Christ. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, this is what he says. These things says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. This is obviously a letter from John. So John is writing a letter. I'm giving you this letter to an actual church. This is the letter coming to church. Now, the state of the church right now, y'all, we'd be getting a letter. We'd be getting a letter. If, if, we, if, if John looked at the church right now, we would be getting a letter. And this letter also applies to us today. So if John was still here, John would be writing us a letter. I want you to understand, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm not bringing you what I think. I think we need a fresh word from God. I don't think we need a, just another podcast, another book, another, praise the Lord. We need a fresh word from God. I believe this is a fresh word from the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice, it says, he who holds the seven stars in his hands. Now these stars represent the senior leaders, the senior pastors of these churches. That's what the stars represent. They're the leaders of the churches and Christ is making it clear. Look at there's great pastors, great leadership, great ministries, but he says, I'm the one that holds the seven stars. He's the one holding us. And what, what we have a problem with is that now no longer does God hold us. We hold God. Now it's no longer. I'm the one that holds the seven stars in my hand. We now put God in our palm and we say, God, you're going to do what we want you to do. So we got to remember, this is not about us. We're not the ones that this is all about. This is about God. God is, called, is supposed to be the main attraction at your church. God is supposed to be the main attraction in your, in your congregation. Not this preaching for an hour and then five minute altar call. And then we're all bored in his presence. And I get it. We run five services. So we say, hey, if you need healing, deliverance, altar time, we'll have the altar team up. Stay as long as you want. I get it. We have to move people out. We have a small parking lot. We're trying to get as many people with the word and reach as many people as possible. But we have to put back, God is the focus. Isaiah is not the focus. The pastor is not the focus. God is the one holding us. We're not holding him. And for some of you, God is in your palm. You serve a God that, it's in Revelation chapter two. You serve a God that you tell what to do. You tell him what to do instead of him telling you what to do. And that's why Paul said, I don't preach with wise words, but I came with power and demonstration so that I wouldn't be a stumbling block. I don't want you to rely on me. I want Jesus to be the center of attention. Now we know he's not the center of attention because if you do Isaiah Seldon of our preaching, the building will be packed with thousands of people. But if you do, we're having a prayer meeting, no one's going to show up. The reason is, is because men have become the center of attention. And I don't, I don't know what to do to mitigate this. Every service I do, I have to get up and say, it's not about me. Don't wait for me. You guys have been in my services. You know how I preach. It's not about me. There's a prayer team. Look to God. Don't look at me. But we have this celebrity Christianity. And in the eyes of most Christians, because of my large following, I would be considered a celebrity. And I don't like that. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And it's okay to have a lot of followers. Jesus had a lot of followers. Paul had a lot of followers. But we have to make sure our followers are not being pointed to us, they're being pointed to Christ. Some of you wonder why, oh, I gotta tread lightly here. 
why don't I have people on stage and do one-on-one -on -one ministry and record it and do, and I, I think that's okay at times, but I think what we've done, and I'm going to tread lightly, is we've taken this uh, social media ministry, we go and do services with deliverance, let's for example, and it's just me doing deliverance for hours and it becomes a show. It becomes a show and it was never meant to be a show. It was never meant to be a show. God called us to empower the church for the work of the ministry. So when we have just one guy we're all, we're all you know, head over heels for and we're not fascinated with Jesus, that's a problem. I don't want you to be fascinated with me. I want you to be fascinated with Jesus. I want you to have a desire for him. I want you to look to him. I want you to follow him. And so now instead of God carrying us because he carried these ministers, we carry God. Instead of God telling leaders what to do, leaders tell God what to do. And I want to give you this word. Stop telling God what to do in your life. This is the moment to say, God, I want you to tell me what to do. I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want you to follow me. I want to follow you. So many of you don't follow Jesus. Jesus follows you. And it's whatever you want to do, he has to come along side of you. But no, it's time to stop worshiping people. It's time to stop praising people. It's time to pack out the prayer meetings instead of just the services where there's a preacher. I'm glad that you love leaders. It's biblical to love leaders. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But Jesus has to be number one. When it becomes about one person, God will not share his glory. God will remove that person. When we worship a person or a personality instead of God's presence, you know, God never intended there to be kings or leaders in his church, in Israel. He gave them a king because they wanted a king. God said, I want you to be led by prophets and presence. The prophets would speak God's word and the presence of God would lead them. But the people said, we don't want prophets. We don't want the presence of God. We want to be led by a king. And the Bible says God gave them kings because that's what they wanted. But it was never God's intention for kings to rule over his people. We are called. That's why the Bible says a man that basically has the fruits of the spirit, that, man, that man's not judged by anybody or bound to any law. I'm led by the spirit. God will not share his glory. Look at King Nebuchadnezzar. Look at King Herod. God struck them down. We have to be careful not to exalt leaders too high. Don't exalt us. If we exalt ourselves, God will humble us. This is why in my 13 years of ministry, I've never once invited myself to preach anywhere. I've never once asked to be on anyone's channel. I've never once been promoted by anybody, platformed by anybody. You know, there was somebody, I'm not going to mention his name, going around constantly saying, I platformed Isaiah. I platformed Isaiah. That's a lie from hell. Nobody platformed me. God exalted me. God gave me a platform. Nobody platformed me. I've never had anybody platform me. I've never been a part of any denomination. No one's opened the doors for me and told me to preach here. 13 years I've traveled and preached with God opening the doors. God leading me. I'm not, God's not in my hand. I'm in God's hand. God's supporting me. And if God wasn't supporting us, if you were not in the hand of God, remember he said that I hold these in my hand. If you were not in the hand of God, you would be a falling star. These men would be falling stars if they weren't in God's hand. The only thing that guards me, guides me, directs me, protects me, empowers me is Jesus. Without him, we're nothing. The moment we think we can do it without him, we are nothing. I don't want to be a falling star. I don't want to be a shooting star where I'm here one moment and gone, and gone the next. I want to be one that walks with Jesus. Now, I want to show you something else, though. I want to show you something else about here. He holds the seven stars in his right hand. This is the word for you. And then look at this. 
who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. Friend, I want you to understand God is walking in our midst. God is not far off or God is not detached. Jesus literally walks through our churches and evaluates them. So I wonder like if he walked through the modern day church, what would he think? Would we have to explain to Jesus what we're doing in the church? Jesus is like, what are you guys doing now? Oh, this is where we take up offering. This is where we do three fast songs, two slow songs. This is where we sing a few hymns. This is where the pastor preaches. This is the two minute altar call. You know, sorry, Jesus, the time where people are supposed to encounter you, encounter you, we only give that three minutes, but we give everything else a lot of time. Like, I don't even understand. Some of you go to churches where there is no altar time, where they preach a message. All right, guys, see ya. And there's no chance to go up and encounter the Holy Spirit in a real way. There's no opportunity. You got to have the opportunity. Like I said, we run five services, thousands of people at our church, but there's always every service, a prayer team ready to pray for you. There's no one in our entire church that can say, no one prayed for me. I didn't have a chance. Every Sunday, every service, you can get baptized. Every Sunday, every service, you can be baptized, literally. Or, and there's a chance for you to get prayer at the altar. We got to make a place where people can have a chance to encounter the Holy Spirit. But I wonder if we realize he's with us this afternoon. He's watching us. He watches your life. Every moment God is there. How would we act if we knew Jesus was walking among us? Like, I don't think we talk the way we talk. I don't think you'd be celebrating Halloween if you knew Jesus was among you and you're celebrating darkness and gore and all the other stuff. I don't think you'd be watching those horror movies. I don't think you'd be watching that pornography. I don't think you'd be talking the way you talk if you knew Jesus walks among us. How would my music I listen to, movies I watch, conversations I have, relationships I'm in, how nervous would I be? But we don't even preach this anymore. That God is the Emmanuel, the one that walks among us, that is in our midst. He walks with us. And then look what he says here. Look at this. This is the church he's about to rebuke. This is the word. I just believe God gave me this word to come on Friday afternoon. I never go live on afternoon. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and you cannot bear those that do evil. I want you to see there, he's, he's complimenting says, I know your works. He tells them, I know the things you do for me. God, write this down, sees everything you do for him. There is nothing that you're doing for God that God doesn't see. God not only sees what you're doing, but God will reward you for what you're doing. Don't think God isn't taking notes. Don't think you're not building treasure in heaven just because your pastor doesn't acknowledge you. Well, my pastor didn't acknowledge that I stack chairs. He didn't acknowledge that I work security. He didn't acknowledge that I'm an usher. He didn't acknowledge, he didn't give me credit, but God says, I'm taking notes. I see, I know your works. The creator of the universe says, I see everything you do for me. I watch you stack chairs. I watch you clean toilets. I watch you pray for people. I, walk, I watch you pick up trash in my house. I watch you witness to people at work. I watch you disciple your kids. I watch those, how you help those in need. I know the effort. If no one else is rewarding you, God says, I am. So this, this rebuke in one sense, he says, I know your works. And that's a great thing because they had works. They had works. We need to have works. He says, not only do you take note, do I take note, but I know your works so that when you try to say, I'm on fire, I'm radical. I love you. I'm hungry for you, God. I'll do anything for you. God will say, mm, based on your actions, I know your works. Like, I know how you really are and you don't really pray. You don't really read. You don't really help at all at church. You don't really, there's no discipline at all. There's no works in your life. 
So you tell me you love me. That's what Jesus told the disciples. Prove by the way you lived, you've repented of your sins. Prove by the way you live, you love me. Don't just say you love me. So one thing is like, it's the positive. I know your works and that's great. God knows our works and I'm glad because a lot of times you don't get recognition for your works. But the other side is when you say, God, I'm radical for you. God goes, I know your works. You don't, you're not radical for me. You're not passionate for me. You're not sold out for me. You're not on fire for me. So don't, don't give me an excuse. One thing there won't be on judgment day is excuses. There will be no excuses on judgment day. That's why we're so privileged right now to have time to get right with God, to not make excuses. It will not be, I always will TikTok. Your phone won't be an excuse. I was too busy. Imagine being on judgment day saying, God, I'm sorry. I was too busy to serve you. I was too busy to acknowledge you. And God will say, uh, let's see what TikTok has to say. Let's see what Instagram has to say. Let's see what Netflix has to say. Let's see what your sports have to say. Let's see what your fantasy football has to say. You had the time. You had the passion, the energy. There's no excuses on judgment day. Now is the time. So, so yes, God doesn't forget what you've done for him. God sees, but also God knows when you're faking it. Then he says, I see your labor. So they labor. And guys, I want to say this clearly. This was a church that was working, that was laboring, that was enduring, that was patient, that didn't tolerate evil. Labor isn't always fun. Labor is exhausting. You have these greasy grace preachers like, it's not about works and labor, but this is a part of the Christian life. It is about that. Revelation says we're judged on our works. Some scholars say the church was working so hard, their bones were hurting. There's a Greek implication that they were working so hard. They were, they were toiling. It was nonstop laboring. And, and for some reason, we have this idea that we're not supposed to labor. There's no labor in the kingdom. It's not supposed to be hard. And it is. It is supposed to be hard. There's nothing easy about dying on a cross. There's nothing easy about speaking against what the world does. Jesus said, they'll hate you because you testify that their works are evil. They hated me because I testify that their works are evil. So these are workers, not sleeping much, laboring, sacrificing. It's going to take a sacrifice. Don't listen to lazy pastors. Revival is sacrifice. There's times where you have to pay the price in labor. Say, God, I'm going to work for you. And everyone wants to reap, but no one wants to sow. Everybody wants the blessing, but nobody wants to put the effort and put the work in. There's work involved to this thing called Christianity. Is it possible to have this whole God thing and it be easy and be a breeze? No, it's not. People come and they, they backslide or they leave the faith or they walk away from God. And they go like, I didn't really get anything out of it. I was, I was a Christian for a while. I'm like, oh yeah, what'd you do? Well, I went to church. I'm like, oh, did you ever minister to people? Did you ever pray for anybody? Did you ever baptize anybody? Did you ever cast out demons? Did you ever heal the sick? Did you ever, were you a part of any ministries? Were you doing like anything for God? Like, well, no, I just went to church. Okay, that's why you backslid. You left the faith because you wanted to get all this out of it, but you didn't want to put anything into it. It's about what you put in. Don't expect to get something out of something you don't put anything into. God says, give me everything so that I can give you everything that I have for you. If you don't give me everything, don't expect anything. There's a price to breaking that alabaster box when everyone says you're wasting your life on this. Guys, you don't think, I have family 
I have uncles. I have relatives that think I'm wasting my life. What a waste of life. What a dumb thing to do. This, this, it's a waste of life to people. This is what they told the woman breaking her box, her alabaster box. What a waste. Don't waste it on Jesus. But you know, you're not wasting your life. He's worthy of this. God is worthy of my praise. He's worthy of my worship. The reward is greater. How could I even compare what I'm going through now to what God has given me and to what I have in eternity? Now, let us, let us be clear. Salvation is a free gift by faith because of his grace. You can't earn salvation. But remember, when you receive Christ and put your faith in the cross and believe on him, praise the Lord. That's the start. You're not done. People are like, salvation's free. It is 100%. But you're not done. That's the start. Now I have to lay my entire life down. Now I have to give God everything. Now God requires me. I can't come to God and say, oh, I'm going to serve you, God, and not give everything. Jesus never taught that. That's Western American Christianity. Jesus said, you have to lay down your life to follow me. So salvation, receive him, praise the Lord. I'm following him. I believe in you, Jesus. Now let's get to work. Now I got to lay my life down. Now I have to give everything. I refuse to believe this demonic doctrine that you just pray a prayer and you're just saved. You can do whatever you want. Live like the devil himself. Live like Anton LaVey. Do whatever you want and you're saved now. This free grace, false theology says, because grace is free, you can do whatever you want. I got slammed for like a week on YouTube because I preach repentance. They said, that's a work. Isaiah's preaching works. No, you have to repent. You have to give up your life. You have to turn from your sin to follow Jesus. This is what John the Baptist preached. This is what Jesus preached. And this is what Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. So I could either believe Peter, Jesus, and John the Baptist, or I can believe some 400 subscriber YouTube channel that's sitting in his mom's basement. And I'm not trying to be rude, but it's demonic to say you can live like the devil. And if you ask these guys, so if you get saved and then become a Buddhist, you still go to heaven? They say, yep. If you get saved and become a Muslim, you still go to heaven, yep. So they believe heaven's going to be full of Buddhists and Muslims and people that are witches and warlocks because at one time you prayed a prayer. That's false doctrine. Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So you must turn from your sin and follow Jesus. Salvation is free, free. But following Jesus will cost you everything. You must, you must surrender it all. Just so much Western thinking, so much greasy grace. And a lot of you learned this since you were a child. Just pray the sinner's prayer. And so it's so instilled in you. You're, you're raging even in the comments. You're mad even in the comments because you're basing your doctrine on American Christianity, not the Jesus of the Bible. You have an American easy Jesus. What did Jesus tell the rich young ruler? You're not, you can't follow me. You're not willing to give it all up. No, nope, can't follow me. Yet now we beg people to come to Jesus and Jesus said, no, you're not even worthy to follow me. Jesus is not playing games, guys. This is the biblical doctrine the disciples preach. You must repent, turn from your sin, turn to God. You must turn to God. So there's labor involved. There's work involved. They're also patient and enduring. There's patience. There's endurance. This means this church didn't give up when things got hard. They didn't quit. The devil wants you to quit. This is his main goal. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to give up and back out. But God says, no, you need to be patient and you need to have endurance. I'm not quitting. Resolve right now. Resolve right now that you're not going back. You're not going back. Never. I'm never. People say, 
Do you ever think you're gonna go back? Go back to what? My vomit? My throw up? My old depression? My anxiety? My racism? My bitterness? My envy? My anger? My lust? My perversion? My shame? What? What do I go back to? It's not even an option. If you have a plan B, you'll go on plan B. I'm not go I have I've burned every bridge. I have no contacts. I have no friends in the world. I have I don't even know how to be in the world anymore. I've been set apart, saved, consecrated to God. So I I don't even know what you mean. What do you mean go back? Oh, I'm going to go back to the world. What 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 the devil serving demons, serving darkness? I spent the last 13 years of my life destroying Satan's kingdom. And you're going to go back to working for Satan? Like, I don't understand how you can go back. What do you mean? We need to have patience. We need to have endurance. I get knocked down, but I don't get knocked out. Okay, I might get beat up, but I, I keep throwing punches. I might get disappointed, but I keep pushing. Even though things aren't working out, I'm going to keep the faith. I'm not backing down. Endurance is this. Like a plant getting crushed, but the roots are so deep, no matter how many times it gets stepped on, no matter how many times it gets crushed, it keeps growing back. Doesn't matter how many times life steps on me, I'm rooted. I'm grounded. My roots go down deep. No matter who crushes me and steps on me and talks bad about me, I grow back. I grow back. I'm like a palm tree. The Bible says you'll flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree is the only tree designed for storms. Do you know a palm tree? can lay all the way flat during a hurricane. That's why palm trees are in tropical and tropical environments. And a palm tree after the storm's over will stand right back up again. But here's the crazy part about a palm tree. Not only will it lay all the way down during a storm and stand right back up after, it'll be stronger after the storm than before the storm. And the Bible says in Psalms, you will flourish like a mighty palm tree. Friends, some of you, you're going through the storm right now. You're bent down. You're bent over. You're laid out. You're going, God, I'll never get up from this. But God says when the storm is over, you're going to rise right back up. And baby, you're going to be stronger than you were before. Am I preaching to anybody in the chat? Someone let me know. You're going to be stronger. So that's that endurance. Say, say, Keep saying stuff. You can't stop me. You can't cancel me. If God's called me, I can't be crushed. I can't be canceled. Some of you are like that palm tree. You're in that storm and God is saying, you will rise again. You will get up again. You will dream again. Maybe you're waiting for a new thing. Be patient. Be patient. I'm in a season of patience right now. I'm, okay, I got some things that I'm working on, but I'm, I'm in a, a wilderness season myself in a way. Like, Lord, what's next for me? I know I'm reaching so many people on the online and I, I've been doing this for four years and I'm going to continue to do it. I'm not going anywhere. I'll do this until Jesus comes back. Praise the Lord. But Lord, what else? I know I want to work on a book. I want to do this. I want to do that. But I'm in a bit of a waiting season. And I keep hearing the Lord say, just wait on me. Just wait on me. So he said, you patient endurance. So he's, he's complimenting them. He said, you can't bear evil. You have zeal against sin. You can't stand evil. It's not enough to just not like evil. You have to build it. You have to get to a place where you can't stand things that go against God. You can't stand people that indulge in darkness. That's where, that's the place I want to be. And it bugs me. Sin bugs me. Compromise in my life. I'm like, oh, I hate this compromise. I hate this. Is there, is there a brokenness in the body of Christ over sin? Is there a brokenness over compromise? Or is there a love for compromise and, and, and sin? I want to be broken. I want to be broken over it. Like, oh, Lord, I don't want this. 
They, they, did, they couldn't stand evil. He says this, you examine those who say they're apostles. Let me show you this. You have tested those, examined those that say they're apostles and found them to be liars. He's talking to the church here. Not everyone that calls himself an apostle is an apostle. There was self-appointed apostles. There was false apostles. And we have to stop listening to people just because they have a title doesn't mean that they're legitimate. And a lot of people, they, they title themselves. They call themselves like, who made you an apostle? And I'm not trying to be rude, but it's like, who made you a prophet? Who made you your self-appointed, self-anointed, self-called? Is the call of God in your life? Is the anointing of God on your life? Is there, is there something on your life where everyone says, oh, you're an apostle? There's evidence. You've planted. You've been sent out. You've done the work. Guys, there's apostles that call themselves apostles that have no local church. They have no covering. They have no one they submit to. No one sent them out. Apostle is apostolos. It's the, it's the sent one. Someone that's been sent out. I'm like, nobody sent you. you. You're not a part of local church. You don't submit to any pastors. Anyone that tries to correct you or tell you anything, you run from correction. You run from spiritual covering. You have people running around with no accountability, saying the craziest unorthodox things that are not biblical. Like, and they're out ranting and raving, doing just in the flesh. And they're, they call themselves apostles and prophets and pastors. I'm like, who made you a pastor? We can't be self-appointed. We can't get be an apostle because we paid someone. America is full of false apostles, false teachers that are teaching another gospel. Teaching another gospel. Look what he says here. And you have persevered and have patience. This is a word for us today. This is a word for us today, but this is a prophetic letter, a letter to literal churches. But remember, all scripture is profitable for teaching, rebuke, and correction. Look at what verse 3. You persevered and have patience. You've labored for name's sake and not become weary. That's important. You've not become weary. You've suffered for me, one translation says, without quitting. God says, don't quit. Don't quit when you're tired. Don't quit when you're offended. Don't quit when you lose friends. Don't quit when people talk bad about you. Don't quit when, you, when you're persecuted. Excuse me. Don't quit, God is saying. Commit today. I'm determining. I'm not quitting. I'm not a quitter. No matter what comes my way, I'm not quitting. They seemed perfect. Yet God says, I see your heart. So I, I gave you guys all the good stuff there. But this is where the rebuke comes. This is the word for you here. God says, I see your heart. You have all these good things, but the secrets of men will be judged. So look what he says here. Nevertheless, I have this against you. And this is a word for me. This is a word for you. I'm not an opioid preaching down at you and exempt. This is a word for all of us. Nevertheless. So despite all of the good stuff I just mentioned, you labor, you're patient, you work hard. You've not become weary. You, you hate evil. You've tested these false apostles and you realize that they're nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. This is what the Lord is saying to us today. I have something against you today. You've lost that first love. People say, oh, there's areas of my life that are messed up, but God understands. God says, I have this against you. I want you to be free in every area. Don't let God have anything against you. You've left your first love. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something real quick before I, well, the mods will probably ban this guy, but I could do it while I'm preaching. See, I could literally preach, read comments, ban people, and talk to chat and have the Bible open as well. Quick little ban as I'm preaching. I want you to notice something. 
He didn't leave them. They left him. Jesus, I want to say this clearly, did not leave you. You have left Jesus. You have walked away from your first love. You've walked away from the passion you once had. You've walked away from what God is doing in your life. Jesus says you have left your first love. Just like Mary and Joseph, remember they left Jesus in the temple and they realized they left him and they came back and they blamed Jesus. Why did you leave us? Where are you? Jesus didn't leave you, Mary. You left him in the temple. He didn't leave you in the temple. And a lot of you right now are blaming God. You left me. You left me. Have you, have you felt like his presence isn't as close as it used to be? Have you lost that first love passion and that first love desire? Have you lost that hunger for God? Have you, have you walked away from that? God didn't do that. God did not draw away from you. You've drawn away from God. The Bible says sin separates us from God. So your sin is the thing separating you. You've put a wedge between you and God. Here's what he says. Notice this. This is interesting. You haven't left ministry. He didn't say they left the ministry. You haven't left church. See, you think because you haven't left church, you didn't leave God, but you've left your first love. You haven't left serving. You haven't left prayer meetings. You haven't left your job. It's not like you left fellowship with other believers. He didn't say you left holiness. You didn't say you left the fire. He said you left your first love. Your first love. You've lost it. You no longer love me the way you used to love me. There's, there's not that spark and that passion. Notice he doesn't say what, You've lost your first love. People quote this and say, oh, you lost your first love. No, 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 no. Love for Christ is not something you lose. It's something you leave. Let me say that again. Love for Christ is not something you lose. It's something you leave. The words here imply a process that happens over time, an erosion of leaving that first born again love when you first get saved, when you, if you truly get saved. Some of you are like, I never had that. I don't know what to tell you. But that first passion you had when you're born again, you lose that, that first boldness, that fire over time, you lose that. One translator said this, you no longer love me the way you did at first. That's another translation from the Greek text. The term first is emphasized to mean something like you've left behind something. You forgot something. So the question is, where did I leave it? Where did I leave it? I didn't lose it. I didn't lose it. I left it somewhere, somewhere, look at this, somewhere in your journey. This is your word today. Somewhere in your journey, you left your first love for God and you're still going to church and you're still worshiping and you're still praising and you're still serving, but you've left your first love. That love is gone. That passion is gone. That desire for God in the prayer closet is gone. That boldness to preach is gone. That addiction to his presence is gone. That hunger for his word is gone. You've left it. God hasn't left you, but today God is saying, you've left me. This is why it's such a strong rebuke. Because it's not God saying, I've left you, I've abandoned you. God says, you've left your first love. You forgot why you've even started this whole thing. I've done this before many times. Many times I have to get up and say, why did I even start this whole thing? I got to read some of your guys' comments sometimes and remind myself of why of why I actually started in this thing. I, why, why did I get in this? I didn't get in this for numbers. I didn't get in this for followers. Guys, I've been preaching for 13 years, years before I had any. I got in this because I love God. 
When Jesus saved me, I said, I got to tell everybody about this God. I got to tell everybody. But here I am, leaving my first love. Lost that passion to tell other people what God has done in my life. Lost that passion to get in the place of prayer. Lost that passion to remember why I started. Many days I have to literally stop and remember why I'm doing this. Remember those times in the living room where God was all I had. It was literally me and my sister who's in the chat. My sister, my parents, my uncle, a couple of my cousins. And that was it. I had no friends. I had nobody. I left everything. And I, and I, I remember that awe and that wonder like God's going to show up at any moment. I have to remind myself of that. Remember those sleepless nights of believing for revival. I spent sleepless nights believing for revival that I'm living in right now. So don't, don't forget you're living in an answered prayer right now. Don't leave that first love and that first passion. Don't leave that hunger. So I want you to remember. Remember where you've fallen from because God remembers. Again, one translation says, you don't love me the way you loved me in the beginning. Now watch what it says. Let's go, let's go in here. Watch this. Put it back on screen. What's the antidote? It sounds like terrible news. I left my first love. We all have. We all have. What is the antidote? What do I do, Isaiah, today? I'm broken. I've left my first love. This is what he says to do. Remember where you've fallen. Remember where you left it. Where did I leave that? When's the last, when's the last time I had my first love? Hmm. When's the last time I fell asleep praying? When's the last time I couldn't, get, couldn't wait for the prayer meeting to be over so I could go get alone with God at my house? Hmm. When's the last time I, I just, the Bible, man, it came off the pages and I couldn't wait to open it. I couldn't wait to get home from work. Man, when's the last time I was sharing with my coworker? It was that in 2019. Did I leave it? Did I leave my first love in 2017? Let me think. 2015. Was that when I left my first love? Was it 2013 or wait, maybe it was 2019 when I had that passion for God and that love for, for ministry and love to share my faith and that time where I didn't force myself to have to get on here and preach. I didn't have to. I wanted to. I'm trying to remember. Hmm. Where did I leave it? I got to remember. I got to frantically, like I've lost my child in Costco. Where is she? Where, where, where is my first love at? Where did I leave it? I left it somewhere. Where did it remember from where you have fallen? Where did you leave it? Where have you fallen from? When did you fall? When did you fall from that place? So he says, remember, write this down if you're taking notes. This is the word. Now, if you really believe this is a word from God, you should be writing some of this down. I know you could rewatch on the replay, but remember, repent. So he's giving me clear instructions. Oh, I remember. I remember when I lost my first love. I remember when that was. That was right when I got into professional ministry, right when I got hired at that church, right when I started my channel, right? I remember when it was when I converted from true biblical love with God Christianity to professional Christianity. It was when I met that one famous guy and got on his podcast and my channel blew up. Oh, I remember. So I remember. Then he says, do this. Repent. So you need to repent from that. Look at this. Repent. And then what? Here's the instructions. Do the first works. Do the first works. I remember where I left my first love. I didn't lose it. I left it. God's not the one in trouble here. I left it. I've walked away from that passion. Something happened where I left it. Now I need to repent. So once I've remembered, man, I, I lost my obsession with God. 
Now I need to repent. I need to change the way I think because if I keep thinking the way I've been thinking, I'm going to leave it again. I'm going to leave my first love again if I don't repent. So repentance is what keeps my mind in the right place to stop leaving my first love behind. Jesus says, why do you keep leaving me at church? Why do you keep leaving me somewhere? Stop leaving me. You've left your first love. So now I need to repent, change the way I think. First John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. I'm going to repent. I'm going to, Lord, I'm turning. Forgive me, Lord. I remember where I left it. I left it in 2017. I left it in 2019. I left it in 2021. Forgive me, Lord. I, I, I left you. Now I'm going to turn and repent, change the way I think. I'm tired of thinking this way. I'm tired of thinking God is only good on Sunday. I'm tired of thinking God is only good at church. I'm tired of thinking that God is just some trinket, some add-on, some accessory to my life. I'm tired of walking in laziness and unrighteousness and sin. God, I want to walk in holiness and righteousness and purity. I want to look to the cross. It's not about what I've done. It's about what Jesus has done on that cross. A real Jewish man died for your sins and was resurrected. And that's where I put my faith. I got to get that back. So I've remembered. I remember where I left him. Y'all remember, I'm repenting today. I'm changing the way I think. Number three, the three R's is remember, repent, and now I'm going to return. Now I'm going to go back. What am I going back to? What did he say? What am I going back to? First works. First works. He tells me what to go back to. He doesn't leave me out to dry. He rebukes me and then says, this is where I want you to go back to. What are your first works? I remember my first works. Reading the Bible nonstop, praying hours and hours a day, nonstop prayer meetings, sharing my faith with everybody, prophesying over everybody, casting out demons, laying hands on the sick, un unstoppable, unstoppable. I got to go back to that passion. Maybe for you, it's journaling. Maybe for you, it's prayer. Maybe for you, it's outreach. Who knows? What were you doing when you first got that love for God? You were so in love with him. Now, here's the thing. Some of you aren't in love with him at all. You don't even have a first love because you never were in love. And today, God is giving you this message, not only return, and I thought it was gonna be 20 minutes, we're an hour in. I thought it was gonna be just return, but no, you've, you've never been in love with Jesus. You've never burned in your heart like the, the road to Emmaus. Those guys said, did our hearts not burn when he read us the scripture? Do you have a burning heart for God? Is there a passion in you for God? Is there an excitement in you for God? Is there a fire? Is there a fire in your belly for, for the things of God? Lord, light me on fire, God. I want to love you, Jesus. I want to love you, my Messiah, my Savior. I want love for you. I want passion for you. God, ignite that in my heart. I've lost my passion for you, God. Ignite it in my heart today. I know you can do it, God. I trust you to do this. What happens if I don't? What happens today? If I don't heed this warning, warning from God, and this is not a warning, a new warning I'm giving you. I didn't come up with some prophetic word. This is a scriptural warning, a message that's thousands of years old. This is what happens if I don't do these things. So some of you will get your first love back today. You'll be awakened. This is an alarm clock message. It's Friday at noon, guys. This is, it is what it is. Some of you will get your first love today. Others of you will ignore this message. You'll keep playing games. You'll keep going through the motions. You'll keep doing your own thing. And God says this. If you don't obey with the word, this is what God says. 
I will come quickly and remove your lampstand unless you repent. Unless you repent, I'm going to remove your lampstand. The end of the story is he renders you ineffective. You no longer are effective at bringing light to the world. The lampstand represents the church that brings light to the world. We are the light of Christ. You don't put a basket over your lampstand. You don't put a basket over your light. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Let your works be seen by men so they can glorify your father in heaven. So my works, I know a lot of you are like, it's not about works. You can keep crying in the chat. My works are seen by men. And the Bible says they glorify my father in heaven. Let your works be seen. Let your works be known. Let your light shine. If there's no I'm just going to say it works in my life. There's nothing for people to look at in my life and then glorify God in, 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 as a result of. So the works are for this. People see the works and go, wow, that's amazing. I know you couldn't do that. So I'm going to glorify God in heaven that empowered you to do that work. But what happens when you're a lazy, greasy grace, free grace theology Christian that doesn't believe that works matter, that don't have any works in your life, the only work you do is work against the gospel. No one has anything to glorify God about. When people look at your life, do they have something to glorify God about? Is your life a testimony to God's glory? Do they see the miraculous work of God in your life, on your life, and say, praise God for that person. Praise God for what they're doing. Praise God for these great works. And they can glorify God by seeing your works. Imagine, I can imagine being an atheist and seeing somebody lay hands on the sick and the person get healed and then going, wow, God is real. Wow, God is real, I just saw someone get healed. And the person that laid hands on them stepped out in obedience and they were the reason why the person got healed. I saw the healing as an atheist and now I could glorify God, believe in God, exalt God because I saw them do a work and it brought glory to God. Because I know people can't heal. Let's not be dumb here. I know people can't cast out demons. Nobody can heal. Nobody can cast out demons. This is the Holy Spirit working through us. So now when we see the works, we're able to glorify God. But we don't have works in our life. We preach against works. Works is not the problem in the church. Laziness is the problem. So he says, I'll remove your lampstand. Now Ephesus becomes abandoned. They did not heed this warning. Look at what happened to Ephesus. The water receded. This is what history tells us. And locusts destroyed the city. We know water represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit if we're thinking metaphorically, receded, the water receded off of that city, off of that harbor city, and locusts came in, a plague came in, and destroyed the city. This is what it says. In the 6th and 7th century AD, a massive earthquake and the harbor's continuing decline left Ephesus, a shell of the city that used to be. So this is the result of God removing their lampstand. Look at this. This is what a historian says. Ephesus became a shell of what used to be. Arabs invaded, forced many of the population of Ephesus to flee and start new settlements. Ephesus continued throughout history to deteriorate, although it experienced brief periods of growth and construction under the Turks in the 14th century. The Ottoman Empire finally took control of Ephesus in the 15th century. However, the city was in dire straits, its harbor practically useless, and by the end of the century, Ephesus was abandoned. Its legacy has been left to archaeologists, historians, and thousands of visitors flock each year. Look at what they do. Thousands of visitors flock each year to see its ancient ruins. This is what happened to Ephesus. It's completely abandoned and thousands of people come to look at the ruins. Don't be like Ephesus. Don't be 
in 10 years a ruined Christian where people just look at you and go, oh, remember when he used to be a Christian? Remember when he used to be passionate? Remember when he used to be radical? Some of us are like Ephesus, those ancient ruins where our life has been ruined because we've turned our back on God. We've left our first love. We've lost passion. We've lost desire. There's your hour word from God warning. Don't be like the church of Ephesus. Go back to your first love. Father, I pray tonight, God, or tonight, I'm so used to being live at night. I pray today, Lord, that you would take us back to our first love right now. I pray, God, for holy conviction, repentance, and God, I pray we would be wounded over our sin. We would be wounded over our compromise. God, let us not keep leaving our first love. God, draw me back to my first love, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, let me go back to my first love. Let me remember. Help me, God. Remind me. Come on, pray, chat. Remind me, God, of where I left my first love. Remind me, God, of where my first love is so I can return. I could remember. I could return. I could repent. God, I don't want to ever lose this fire. Come on, chat. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for me. I don't ever want to lose this fire. I don't ever want to lose this hunger for you. I don't ever want to lose this desire for you. I want to serve you all the days of my life until I'm old with gray hair. I will never until there and, and if there's breath in my lungs, God, I'll serve you. God, I want to serve you. I want to know you. Remind me, God, I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want you to remove my lampstand. Lord, don't take your don't take my lampstand, Father. Don't take the light. Don't take it from me, God. Forgive me, Lord. I repent. I left it, God. Someone said I left it between 2019 and 2020. God, I repent. Help me ignite the passion. Absolutely, sister. Absolutely. God is bringing you guys back to the narrow road. And I already know they're going to make videos. Oh, is this preaching workspace? I could care. I could care less. This is God's word. The narrow road is still for today. Holiness is still right. Repentance is still required. What are we talking about? We need repentance. We need repentance. We need revival in our lives. We need to share our faith with unbelievers. Help me to evangelize God. Help me to witness. Help me to reach the lost. Help me to preach the gospel. God, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do in my life, God. Ignite my fire. Ignite my flame. Lord, I want to serve you. And guys, I know some of you are like, well, if I don't do this, am I still going to be saved? Am I still going to go to heaven? Why are we living like this? Why are we living only worried about heaven? Why are we living only worried about what happens when we die? What about what happens right now? What about not serving God right now? What about not knowing God right now? What about not doing anything for God? I'm worried about now. Now's the day of salvation. Now I'm saved. I'm being saved and I will be saved. I was saved. I'm being saved and I will be saved. Salvation is not just a one time pray to prayer. Now's the day, excuse me, of salvation. God, I pray you'd reignite a passion in us, God. Lord, I pray you'd remove from me, God, any anxiety, any discouragement, any fear in my heart, God, any complacency in my heart, Lord, any pride, any ego. I pray today, God, destroy it in my life. Destroy it in my life, God. If there's anything in my life that offends you, I pray, Lord, you remove it. And I'm, I'm being vulnerable. I'm letting you guys hear my prayers. How does Isaiah pray? That's how I pray. If you're wondering, I'm not afraid. There's 2,500 people on here. I'm not afraid to pray in front of people. Lord, remove any of my ego, any of my pride, any arrogance, any haughtiness, anything that is not of you, any compromise, any sin, 
any anything lord that's in my life i pray point it out god illuminate it so i could repent and turn from it i want to turn from any sin in my life i want to turn from it lord help me lord in my unbelief as that man prayed when his little boy came demonized jesus said what do you mean if and he said lord help my unbelief god help my unbelief lord remove any pride out of our hearts Strip it all away, as Kelly Cordova just said. God, strip it all away. Everything, everything. All of you, God. All of you, less, none of me. None of me. I don't want any of me. I'm dead. Paul says to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm dead. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live through by the power through the, the Son of God. There's none, none of me. I'm dead. I'm dead. There's no Paul. There's no Isaiah. I'm going back. I'm remembering. What is it? Remember, repent, and return. Go back to those first works. I got to go back. You got to go back to those first works. We need the fear of the Lord. There's too much looseness in the church. There's too much compromise. Too much arguing over compromise. No. There's too much. We need holiness. We need radicalness. We need boldness. We need to be 100% every day, all day. It's a lot of work. That's the point. Yes, we have to labor. He's. I see your labor. There's labor involved. There's labor involved. Remember, I also want you guys, what I started with too, is remember the prophetic word spoken over you. Remember the prophetic word spoken over you. Somebody spoke a word over you. Don't forget it. Remember it. Remember those prophetic words in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. I was only planning to be on live for an hour, guys, because I have some stuff I have to get done. Um, but I'm going to hang out, talk to the chat for a little bit. I want to do these more. I know it's kind of like what I do on Monday, but hey, God put this word on me. I was like, I'm going to jump on and do it. I haven't been going live on Fridays in a long time. I do have some very important announcements I need to give you, like very, very important announcements. And I also want you guys to pray about partnering with us for this stream. If it blessed you, if this was a word for you, pray about sowing into it. You can sow in on any of these links right here. You can hit the pinned comment. You can give $5, $10, a dollar, doesn't matter. You can scan the QR code. Also pray about monthly partnering with our ministry. As you guys already know, I've said it a million times. All of our content is free. We have 1,600 videos for free. We don't charge for any of our content. If you do monthly partner, you do get a thank you of 70 old school sermons you can't get anywhere else. 25, 20% off the merch store and past partners calls. And we will be, as soon as my schedule opens, doing partners call once again. But let me give you some very important announcements as you guys can give and do all that. I pray this was a blessing to you. It's a little bit different. I'm I'm probably going to start going live at noon on Fridays. I know some of you work, but you'll have to just catch the replay. Because if I go live Friday night, it just takes away my Monday, my Tuesday, and my Friday. Because my kids get home from school at around 3 o'clock. I'm in my office all day, and I lose Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. My kids don't see me at all. And uh, I want to clear up a little bit of my schedule to be spend more time with my family. So I don't want to just keep canceling Friday. I've, I haven't been live on Friday in months. But I want to maybe add a, a, an early noon stream maybe. And then I could do my call-ins, Zoom deliverance, whatever you guys want to see, reaction content, whatever on Fridays so that I'm still live. I'm still here. Um, people are still giving, partnering with the ministry, and it just keeps us floating, keeps us going. So that will be super, super helpful to do. Okay. Very important announcements. Very first announcement. The Domino Revival was absolutely incredible, life-changing. And I can't tell you enough. The testimony is coming in. Go watch Pastor Mike's stream on his channel I shared about all the testimonies. By popular demand, we hit the ticket threshold. It will be back in theaters. Yay, clap in the chat. November 13th, Monday night, you have another chance. If you missed it the first time, you don't want to miss it. It's historic what God is doing. November 13th. So what is the point of November 13th? Here's the point. You went and saw it 
and you said, I wish I would have brought my family. I wish I would have brought my kids. I wish I would have bugged my coworker. If I knew it was going to be this powerful, this good, especially the altar call at the end, you know, suicides canceled, people getting prayer. I wish I would have invited someone. You have another chance on November 13th to invite someone. You have another chance. Okay. So November 13th, I want you to invite someone to the Domino Revival, the same ticket link in the description. You can go invite someone. Let's blow it up. Another important announcement. You guys know I will be in Texas November 18th, okay? Listen closely. There's been a venue change. We had to change venues because the city wanted a bunch of like permits and stuff. So long story short, the venue has changed. I will be updating my website. I'm supposed to do it today. I will do it after the stream. I'll update my website to the new address, but it's going to be in Irving, Texas. This is the address. 13300, not 13, 300 West Las Colinas. Actually, I'm going to post it in the comments. That's L-A-S space C-O-L-I-N-A-S Boulevard. So 300 West Las Colinas Boulevard, Irving, Texas. It's going to be the pavilion at the Toyota Music Factory. Okay, here's the address. And I'm going to post it on my website. This is Texas. Guys, I rarely go to Texas. I'm telling you right now, if you're in Texas and you want to come see me, this is the time to come see me. I just post it in the comments. Venue change. Venue change if you're in Texas. Spread the word. I'm going to be posting on my socials as well. I'll be spamming it nonstop when it gets closer. Venue change. It's going to be about 40 minutes, 30 minutes from Dallas. Uh, Irving, Texas. You can fly into Dallas. We have 8,000 seats. You need to register. The registration's on the website. It's free to register. Okay, we don't char- we're not charging $299. Uh, if you know, you know. I'm sorry. I had, to, I had to just throw that out there. If you know, you know. We're not charging $299. We are doing this for free. 8,000 seats. If you're in Texas, I'm going to put the address again. The Pavilion at the Toyota Music Factory. I'll be posting it a lot, but you need to get those two dates. Okay, those are the two dates for you guys. I'll announce my date in January in San Bernardino. In February, I'll be in Antioch, California. I'll be at Lifesong again soon. And uh, let me hang out with the chat here, okay? As you guys give, thank you guys for giving monthly partnering. Pray about becoming a monthly partner. That'll help us out tremendously. Okay, a lot of you know about the 299. We're going to keep it at that. Hey, it is what it is. All right. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiasaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.